Hello and welcome to Feminist Fridays, your weekly dose of self-empowerment and equality. I'm your host, Sarah Liberty, coming to you live from Sydney, and this week I have a guest who I truly admire and whose work I cannot get behind enough. Her name is Heidi Everett, and she is a long-term mental health advocate who has been living with schizophrenia for 25 years. Heidi has a career as a multimedia creative based in Melbourne, but right now she's working on a public campaign with a strong message. Australia needs mental health on our triple zero grid. Last month, she started a change.org petition expecting to reach 1,000 signatures to take to federal parliament. She's now received over 11,000 signatures and has received overwhelmingly supportive uh, support from diverse members of Australian society. We will be talking to Heidi shortly to hear more about both her story and her campaign. But before we do, I'd like to kick off with a recent track from 2019 by Lady Trom, who are a UK electro band I have had the pleasure of knowing quite well since back in my London days. It's called Dead Zone, and this is the HQFU remix. Why this song? Well, although it's called Dead Zone... The lyrics talk about seeing light through shattered glass, which I think holds a lot of relevance for both people with lived experience of mental health issues and trauma, and to us just generally in the world today, even if we might think our world has been shattered by COVID or another experience, we can always find the positive if we hold on to hope and look for light in times of darkness. So I hope you dig this tune and we'll be back with Heidi very soon.
Hello, Heidi, and welcome to Feminist Fridays. Hello, it's great to be here. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> so, look, I wanted to start off by just asking a little bit about your background and how and where you grew up and what was that like? I actually grew up in a place called Doveton, which is in Victoria, mm-hmm. and it's a very interesting suburb because you get to see the whole spectrum of human life and diverse experiences out there. So I'm really, really blessed that I grew up in a space where everyone was different and everyone was vibrant and everyone was doing their absolute best. So that's where I grew up in Australia, but I actually um, was born and started life over in Wales in the UK. So oh. I don't know if you know where that is. Yes, I do. <laughs> I've actually been to Wales and seen. Oh, you've been there? Yeah, I've seen castles. Ah, aren't they great? Yeah, I know. That's the first thing I want, wanted to do when I went and lived in the UK was see castles. They are, and, and they're free. Most of them are free. You don't have to pay to go in. So you just wander in and you're walking around Henry IV's birth room and, um, you know, what's what's his name? King Arthur. I don't know if he was real or not, but it's those kind of castles (laughs) and they're absolutely fantastic just to wander around and put your imagination to life. And then you uh, move back to Australia? Yeah, so we moved to Australia and we were actually homeless quite a while okay so um you know my first experience in Australia as a a nine-year-old was actually living in um, immigration centers and um yeah that that was another really awesome experience that I can't put down so okay um yeah and then we ended up in Dufton right wow shout out to Dufton (laughs) hello Dufton listeners yay okay (laughs) So you grew up in Doveton and now I understand from reading a bit about your background that you have been living with schizophrenia for 25 years. I'd like to ask a bit about when you were first diagnosed or realised that that was what was going on for you and maybe if you know what might have caused that change in your life and as I've mentioned when we've spoken previously on the phone I'm someone who's also lived with uh, anxiety and depression and I've experienced sexual assault and domestic violence so I think my mental health issues were triggered by both environmental and sort of family genetic factors but what about you? I think, Sarah, you've just summed up schizophrenia and, and any mental illness diagnosis, mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah, and, and just put it out there too to the listeners and, you know, to both of us as well that even just talking about this can be quite triggering for people. So, um, you know, if you're listening to this show out there and some of these things raise memories, active memories for you, then please don't keep it to yourself. Reach out to somebody and just have a chat. Um but, yeah, I think schizophrenia is a very interesting reality because it is based in trauma. Mm-hmm. It's not something you just wake up with one morning and <clears throat> start to hear voices or start to, you know, have these different thoughts and things. It, it's actually built up over probably 20 years. Mm. So I don't know if people know the term complex post-trauma stress. Mm. 
Um, I don't think many people mean, do. Yeah. Yeah. So it means that you end up in certain situations in different spaces, but they're very similar and um, not great happy spaces. Mm-hmm. And they're often with different people. And there's just themes that keep emerging. And it's not like post-traumatic stress where something like a natural disaster happens and it happens once and, you know, you carry those trauma. Complex PTS is something that can happen over 20, 30 years Mm -hmm. and different situations with different people. But there's always this feeling of survival going on underneath. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how do I live through this? Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think schizophrenia is just one, um, I don't know, one diagnosis for very similar situations that, you know, maybe you and I have experienced similar situations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and our survival story just comes out a little bit different. Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the old thing with schizophrenia is that, you had to hear voices to qualify, right? And that doesn't yeah. even that doesn't even um, cut it anymore. So, if you hear voices now, it doesn't mean to say you've got schizophrenia, and that's because there's this whole movement out there in the world called the hearing voices movement, and they're proud to hear voices. You know, they hear voices, they hear music, they hear all these different things, but they don't have schizophrenia. So. Um, hearing voices is no longer a qualifying factor mm-hmm. in being diagnosed with schizophrenia, but complex post-traumatic stress is. Okay. So, yeah, it's very interesting and, and I'd like to know where this goes in the next five or ten years. <laughs> we were talking about you and how you came to know that you were experiencing schizophrenia and um and also trauma. And I wanted to ask you when, you know, you realised that this was going on, where did you go to first for support or who did you ask for help? Um, If you could tell me a bit about Mm -hmm. your experience about that and maybe what's happened, how it's been over the years, that'd be great. Uh, From my own experience, I know it can be a very long process of finding the right therapist or doctor or getting the right type of medication and it's an ongoing aspect of my life that I have to manage as best as I can um, in order to you know remain strong Um, so yeah tell me about you I just want to honor Sarah you know you're you're what you're saying there um you know, and your I hate that word journey. Everyone uses it for other things, but I think in mental mental health recovery and learning to live with it, it really is a journey, and mm. it's never just set and forget, is it? No. It, it, you know, are you still seeing the first person that you talk to about? Oh no, um, I mean no, I've, absolutely not. I've no. uh, you know I, I I don't want this to be all about me, but I've, I've certainly <laughs> uh, I've tried different types of psychology and um, seen different different people to help me. And, you know, it's not just been about the, the mental, the psychotherapy kind of aspects. It's been about 
diet and exercise and making sure I have the right people around me in my life. That's so true. It's just getting all different bits of things for your toolbox and, yeah. and medication and psychiatry is just one aspect. Mm. Um, unfortunately, the mental health system is 100% psychiatry at the moment. So we need to change that and say, hang on a minute, animals are really good. Art is really good. Sport is really good. Walking is really good. Um, you know, diet is really good. So, and they all need equal places at the table. But at the moment, it's all about how are we going to cure you of your mental illness, not heal you from your trauma. Mm. So, you know, thinking about the first person I saw was a, a person at a community health center. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when I was about 16 and my whole family was anti-Western medicine so we didn't have GPs and counsellors and things like that. So I had to take myself to this person. Okay. But that's how bad I was feeling. I, I knew that I had to do something for myself. The community health centres can't tell you how good they are. So just walk in. <laughs> And those people at the reception, they are trained. If you say, I need to speak to someone, I'm not feeling great, they know and they'll book you in with a counsellor or a psychologist or someone that's there. So community health centres, big shout out. And was that, yeah, in, and was the, that in Melbourne, in, in Dufton? Yes, yeah, so that, that was in Dufton. Okay. And, um, you know, I still remember that person and her name was Sarah too. Um, you're a good people. <laughs> But it's definitely not set and forget. So I've seen hundreds of counsellors over the year and over the years and, you know, our perspectives change, our experience and wisdom changes mm. and we need to keep seeking out different people that honour us at that time Yeah, 100%. rather than, you know, um, just seeing us as one big picture. Mm. Um, there's times when I've been quite different to who I am now and I needed to speak to someone who's you know, resonates with me at that time. So it's never just set and forget. No, I totally 100% agree with you there. I think, and, you know, we as people change, we grow, we learn how to use different strategies and, you know, what's working at one point in our life might not work for us at another point in our life. So I also wanted to ask about another thing that we have in common which is I understand that you've experienced homelessness. Um, for me, it was a result of leaving a domestic violence relationship um, and I wasn't homeless for that long. I was in a women's refuge. But I, I, if you have, you know, if you feel comfortable, I'd love to know a bit about your experience. Yeah, so I actually wonder if we need to return homelessness mm. because – Nobody's homeless. You can have a home under a tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've slept in horse sheds and I've called them home. So I think, you know, homelessness is actually more about surviving again mm-hmm. and you have to leave situations. And I think that, you know, with my experience coming to Australia as a nine-year-old and not having anywhere to live, yeah, you know, that, and we were living on in trains and on in immigration hostels and whatnot, that for me that was quite an adventure because I was only nine, so <laughs> I had no understanding of what homelessness is. Yeah. Um, but then again, when I was 
in my late teens and I was fleeing some horrendous situations. Mm-hmm. It was a matter of staying alive, you know. So, And then again when I was quite unwell with schizophrenia and whatnot that I was wandering the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I know it's called homeless because you don't have a stable place and safe place to call home, but... I think we need to reframe it for people who don't understand. Mm. It's an easy excuse to say homeless, but it's not an easy excuse to say surviving or fleeing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a huge conversation. And I just think, you know, language in all of mental health is so important. The words that we use to describe things mm. and even the term mental illness, you know, it's it's the only disability pretty much with a negative in the term. Yeah. You don't say deaf illness or wheelchair illness. <laughs> so, Very you know, I put it out to you, all the listeners, to come up with a better term for mental illness. Please do it. If you were to rephrase homelessness, what, how would you, you would call it surviving surviving story and I I also you know there's that term lived experience of course person with lived experience Um, and that's with a small l and a small e if you ever see any terms with a capital letter at the start run a mile because it's been usurped by the mental health system so the term peer with a capital p it means that they're employed by a mental health organization So if you see the term lived experience with a capital L and a capital E, (laughs) Mm -hmm. just, you know, it's not a noun, it's a verb. So I say a person with lived experience, I say a person with lived experience of post-traumatic stress, drop the disorder. Yeah. Um, A person with diverse mental health experience, it's a long sentence to spit out, (laughs) but it's worth it. I completely agree. I think language is very important. Mental health to me is one area which I think Australian society needs to discuss and support more. I've read an interview you did with SANE.org where you stated that too often people with mental illness are presented as a social burden. This isn't the case. In my work as a lived experience advocate, I see all the brilliance and vibrancy of a damn cool community. Where does this get any airtime in the media? Well, it's getting airtime now. So what are your thoughts on this situation? How can we as a society start to turn things around so that mental health is valued and supported in the same way that physical health is. Yeah, I would suggest everyone who's interested in this go and read the United Nations Convention Convention of Disabled People. Yeah. And yeah. learn about the social model of disability and the medical model of disability. Mm-hmm. And um, the disability network around the world, they are so far in front of mental health. And they say that um, your body or your mind is never a disability. It's never wrong. It's never a defect. It's society that's that's the problem. So with mental health, we're still viewed as mental illness that needs to be cured, solved, handled, managed. Mm. You know, you, t- you think about the Victorian um, Royal Commission into the Mental Health System. 
And it's all about building new beds, new security for staff, better interventions, early intervention. It's all about the mental illness. It's not about the healing. Yes, and it's not about addressing some of those things that may be causing mental health concerns in the first place. Exactly. So we need to look into alcohol, like this pub culture. We need to look into society that just exonerates this, this, you know, this white, bright white teeth and made up celebrity look. Yes, I think as a society, we we need to be learning and embracing talking about feelings more. It's something that I now do quite openly and honestly, but I have had to learn how to do it. But sometimes people are struggling with even asking about how someone might be doing or are you okay? So Yeah, because they're frightened of the mental health response. Mm. But if we turn it around and say, actually, it's the environment that's the problem of this. So next time you're feeling crap, don't say what's wrong with me. Say what's wrong with my environment. And, you know, it's not a mental illness isn't about your, you know, your ability to manage emotions or anything like that. It's the stress that's on you. Do you have a massive load of stress on your shoulders at the moment? Mm-hmm. No wonder you're feeling crap, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's about instead of looking inside and saying what's wrong with me, look out and say what can I change about my environment? That's a very important point to make. I actually have a framed copy of the International Bill of Human Rights hung on my bedroom wall, which was written in 1948. And it clearly states that every person of the human race deserves to be treated equally. Yeah, and I think the Australian government, um, they don't have to implement those recommendations. But, gee, if you get educated up on the, I think there's like, how many are there, the recommendations? I think there's about 50 in the dis- disabled one. Mm. And they're but, simple. They're just like one-liner statements. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, just just get up on them and know them because then you can go to media and quote them. And the media and the government cannot argue with you. So my other suggestion is that you get out there and create media if you're listening. Say, oh, I don't know any reporters. Become a reporter. Report on your, you know, your life. Report on what's going on. I wait for somebody else. That's another very important point to make. I totally believe and encourage every person to use their voice. Everyone has the ability and can feel self-empowered to use their voice to create change. Yeah, and you don't have to be a journalist to be a reporter. You can be a songwriter or a slam poet. Yeah. Speaking of using your voice creatively in any way, one of my favourite authors is Charles Bukowski, and he has written that some people never go crazy what truly horrible lives they must lead. And I can't agree with this observation more from my personal experience of surviving challenging times. It's only made me stronger and more creative and compassionate as a person. Would you agree? 
Oh, I, one of my favourite people is, is an astrophysicist by the name of Brian Cox mm-hmm. and he's another one, that, you know, he inspires me and he comes out with these beautiful lines as well and he says that um, the universe is always on a constant journey from chaos to disorder <laughs> and because it takes too much energy to be ordered, like to hold a radio together, to keep all those bits together takes a lot of energy. So. Mm. For it to be smashed into a million pieces and lay on the floor takes no energy whatsoever. So that's the universal theory. <laughs> and I love that because it's the people who have become broken that create new life. Yeah. And if you don't become broken, you cannot create new life. You cannot create a better society. You can't create change. I'd love to now talk about your public campaign with a strong message Australia needs mental health on our triple zero grid. I understand that last month you started a change.org petition expecting to reach 1,000 signatures to take to Parliament and you've hit 12,000. What kind of support has there been for your petition and why did you decide to start it in the first place? Yeah, I do, you know, I've been trying to canvass the local government for a triple O mental health line for a while and I keep mm-hmm. getting excuses. It's okay. too expensive. Um, right. I mean, it just, to me, if you're in like a really deep mental health crisis in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, mm. the last thing you're going to want to do is connect to the internet and scroll through mental health services because that's how it is at the moment to get Mm. any mental health support you have to go online yes and you have to google certain keywords and Mm. then you'll get a list of all different mental health services that you can call which is fantastic don't get me wrong it's fantastic but you have to get there to get there this is so true but what if you're in the middle of the bush or you know sorry, on some strange road in the middle of the country and you don't have internet access, mm. yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah. So triple O to me is it's just, come on, it's just the obvious answer staring us right in the face. And I know that, you know, there are great mental health services out there, but even they say you... contact triple O in an emergency. Exactly. And then you get to choose between police, paramedics and firemen. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't want any of those people. And when you say you're wanting to deliver the petition to parliament, are you talking about federal parliament? Yeah, so it's going, yeah, Fed- it's federal. Yep. So um, the change.org one is going to the Senate because they take online petitions. Mm-hmm. But to go to the House of Representatives, which is federal, you need to take a um, official Parliament of Australia e-petition. Mm-hmm. I've just created that and submitted that. So that should take about a month just to get, I don't know, 20 signatures or something, and then it qualifies. Okay. Well, I certainly hope that you achieve the positive outcome that you are campaigning for because I certainly believe that having a mental health line on our triple zero grid could really help save lives. And we have the collateral, we have the contingency, we have the we have the people, you know, I'm sure 
many of your listeners know, will know about crisis assessment teams or CAT teams. Mm. All around the country we've got those and we've got carer networks just busting for something to do and we've got lived experience networks mm. in every mm. jurisdiction around the country. So it's not the people that are the problem. It's the government saying funding. Right. And I'm sorry, but right. funding doesn't cut it anymore. That excuse mm. is no longer credible. So, you know, I'm really excited about this petition because I believe that it is going to hit where it needs to hit. So for listeners out there who want to support your campaign and sign your petition, how can they go about doing that? It's super easy. So you just Google change.org slash triple zero, and that's the word triple zero. So T-R-I-P-L-E. Z-E-R-O. And if you go to change.org and you go to the search bar, you can just type in triple zero or the numbers zero, zero, zero. As this is a youth-focused podcast and audience, what advice would you give to someone who may be either experiencing a high stress load and is not sure how to go about speaking about it or asking for help? Or what advice would you give to other people in society so that they can show solidarity and be supportive and inclusive so that people who have lived experience of surviving stress, trauma or other mental health challenges can be seen as a benefit rather than a burden? So it's all about mental health access and disability access now. So when you think of somebody in a wheelchair, to get into a building, they just need a ramp, mm-hmm. get rid of the stairs. Mm-hmm. So um, with mental health access, it's about making the environment friendly to people who have experienced trauma. So that might be having a quiet room somewhere. That's if you've got really like an event idea. or something. Yeah. Create a quiet retreat somewhere, you know, in an office space or something where the lights are low, a bit of safety, Um, you know, and just just being aware that every one of us, we're alive today because we've survived stuff and some stuff is harder than others. Yeah. And some people just need a little bit of tender holding rather than pushing. So it's it's about just creating an environment. Remember I said about it's not you that's the environment. It's finding ways to make your environment a bit softer and a bit more loving. From my experience, the message I would like to share is that for people who are family members or friends playing that supportive role, they don't need to feel as though they have to provide all the answers Just being there for someone who's experiencing stress or trauma and hearing them is wonderful. And it's like like walking into a thunderstorm if you ask somebody who you know is suffering, Mm. how are you going? (laughs) I mean, when there's a thunderstorm, you don't go out there and try and stop the lightning, do you, or try and stop the thunder. (laughs) You just ride it out. You find somewhere quiet and calm Mm. and you ride it out. Yeah. So if you ask somebody or a friend or a family member, say, hey, what's going on or do you want to chat or anything, and that person starts to get quite upset or unloading, just let that thunderstorm evolve. You don't have to stop it. Mm. 
just wait mm. for the rain and then just be there because I know myself millions of times I've got so upset and just speaking it out and acting it out and getting out of my body knowing that somebody cares mm. is witnessing it mm. That's all that matters. Totally. I don't want them to say, oh, here's the fix. <laughs> here's what you can do. I mean, I'm so good at telling other people what fixes are. That's just my personality. <laughs> but to sit with somebody in a thunderstorm, that's all you need to do. Yeah. As this is a feminist podcast, I'd like to ask how feminism might have inspired or been a part of your journey. And just to be clear, I'm an intersectional feminist. So to me, feminism is about equality for everyone, as well as promoting inclusion, diversity, and recognising everyone's human rights. Yeah, so I'm surrounded by strong single women <laughs> and strong single men too. <laughs> um, you know, the, the people I look at getting out there and doing the change Nine times out of ten, it's a single woman or, you know, strong woman. So that to me is evidence in itself. But then, you know, I've got some really beautiful men friends as well who are, you know, chipping away at things. So, But I just see this in women. There's just this kind of, I don't know what it is. It's not a fierceness, but it's just a let's get on and do it, you know. They're out there with social spanners and kelpies <laughs> and they're just doing it. And I think that's, I'm just surrounded by those people so I don't have to go looking for it and it's hard to identify it because when you're under the water, <laughs> you can't see the water around you. So it kind of just feels like my whole networks are just strong people doing things and that's just happens to be a woman nine times out of ten. Well, I'm sure that you are an inspiration to many people but I'd love to know who inspires you? Well, you know, this sounds really cliched and really, you know, soppy, but it's the people around me. So yeah. I say that inspiration is recyclable. Yeah. Recyclable, yeah. whatever that word is. Yeah. So it's just the, the everyday people around me doing their best. That's what inspires me. And sometimes doing their best is opening their eyes in the morning. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what inspires me. One it's thing. it's not celebrities. It's not yeah. famous people, apart from Brian Cox, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's the people innovating with no materials, no money, no resources, no family, no yeah. support systems. They're the people who inspire me. I'd finally just like to ask where my listeners can find you and support all of the creative and advocacy work that you do. Feel free to plug your website, petition and anything else related to your campaign here. Oh, it's always so hard to do this bit. Okay, so I've got a website and it's HeidiEverett.com.au and uh, my name is spelled H-E-I-D-I-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-
heidieverett.com.au and I do everything in the arts and mental health advocacy and consultancy. So, you know, talking about diversity and innovation, goodness, just try everything. Um, And then the petition is change.org slash triple zero. Well, Heidi, I am 100% behind your campaign. Congratulations on getting to 12,000 signatures and thank you so much for joining us on Feminist Fridays. Thank you, Sarah, and thank you so much to Feminist Friday and Energy Groove and all the people working behind the scenes. Um, (laughs) You know, thank you so much. It's been a really generous and honouring interview and I feel really, really privileged. So thank you, Sarah. Well, that is a wrap for Feminist Fridays for this week and thanks so much to Heidi once again. I hope you all show solidarity for her campaign and if anything that you've heard in this segment has made you feel as though you might need some support, you can call Lifeline on one three. 1114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 And both of those organisations offer online advice as well. But before you tune out, I'd like to leave you with a song that I think many of you would be familiar with. It's Niles Barkley's 2006 track, Crazy. And this is a bootleg remix, of course by Cami Black. I love this track because to me it's in, it's about embracing the crazy aspects or times in our lives. So here's to the crazy ones because it's the people who think they're crazy enough to change the world who are often the ones that do. So feel free to go a little cray cray this weekend my friends and be sure to tune in next week for another kick-ass feminist Friday segment. <laughs>